0: everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Browns Note podcast. This is Ryan Burns coming to you from Dog Pound West in Orange County, California. It is finally draft week. Thank God. I don't know about you, but this has been a long, laborious draft season. And quite frankly, I'm sick of having uh, so much of my Browns fan attention being focused on the draft as opposed to the season. But that's sort of been the necessity of sanity management for the past oh I don't know let's call it decade and a half Uh, but certainly in the past few years when the Browns have made more first round selections I am sure than any other franchise in the NFL and so few of them have worked out well here we are again got a whole slew of picks what a surprise a new GM going to be deploying them And we'll see how it all shakes out. It sure sounds, as we travel into these final 48 hours, or I guess it's more like 36 now, uh, that Sam Darnold, it seems likely to me that Sam Darnold's the pick. Las Vegas certainly thinks Sam Darnold is the pick. But of course, you never know what's going to happen in these last few hours. I suppose it's always possible that someone will give John Dorsey the godfather offer that he can't refuse or that he at least feels willing to take someone other than whoever that team moving up would take. Uh, But I fully expect the first pick to be made by the Browns. I expect it to be Sam Darnold. And if it's not, well, then we'll come back around and have a good time talking about it next week. Uh, I suppose we ought to dig deeper into some of the things going around the media, but we're not going to because, you know, our policy around here, which is at this time of year, believe everything. Believe nothing, it's all the same. It will all be untrue or true come 36 hours from now. You really, you can tell me which people you find credible and which you don't. I might even agree with you on those judgments. But at the end of the day, I don't give these rumors much weight at all. Um, You just got to wait and see what happens. You have to ask yourself what passes the smell test and what does not. For example, is it really all that reasonable to think that a a guy who had studied something as closely as you have to presume John Dorsey has studied the quarterbacks really doesn't know a week before the draft who he thinks he wants to take? Is it really all that reasonable to think that an NFL franchise could be waffling between a guy who had the two most efficient quarterback seasons of all time and is six feet tall and played in the spread offense at Oklahoma. Um, and the other option in that waffling is Josh Allen. It, it, come on, people. It makes no sense whatsoever. It makes no sense. Does it make some sense that people within the organization might differ about those guys and that there might be a Josh Allen guy and there might be a Baker Mayfield faction. Sure, that makes sense. What does not make sense is that the quote-unquote organization is waffling between Josh Allen and, and, and Baker Mayfield. Makes no sense. So try and waft through some of the nonsense. And at the end of the day, here's the really liberating part. You're never going to know the whole story anyway. Here we are a year down the line, and people still think that Hugh Jackson really, really wanted Deshaun Watson. What are we going to do? You're not going to know. Just enjoy the ride. And with that, let's dive into the draft. We've got five picks in the top 64, which to me is where the, you know, this is that's where the money's going to be made in this draft. Whatever you do in the in day 3 is going to be fodder. These first five guys, that's what matters. That's what matters. How you deploy the first I should rather say, it's not necessarily five guys. How you deploy those first five picks is what matters. And hey, They could end up with even more first-round picks if they were into the trade-back idea. They could end up um, taking a couple of quarterbacks early in a move that might surprise some people. Probably wouldn't surprise me all that much. And by early, I don't mean first and fourth. I mean first and uh, maybe they get into the third round and do it. I don't know. You never know what's going to happen with this kind of stuff. The Green Bay Packers organization that raised so many of the people in the Browns' new front office certainly believed in taking quarterbacks often, and if you believe anything about what John Dorsey thought as he came into this room, it's that he doesn't think much of the quarterback room. Now, of course, Tyrod Taylor and Drew Stanton lead you to believe that eh, two quarterbacks might not be what they do this year, but I'm not sure it would totally shock me either. So I I just think there are all kinds of things going on with this organization that you just kind of have to wait and see. We don't really know how much of what happened in Kansas City was John Dorsey versus Andy Reid. We don't really know what each of these trusty lieutenants of the Green Bay Packers organization that are now members of the Browns front office would have done in any one situation had they been GM, right? We don't get to attribute every pick to everybody in the organization. That would be illogical. Not everybody in any organization is going to have the same opinion. That's just not how this world works. So I think we got to wait and see. I hate to uh, be the bearer of uncertainty, but I don't know how anybody feels like they're confident beyond that first pick that they know what's going to happen here. So I will simply throw my hands up as I wait for the roller coaster to drop and see what happens. Those of you tuning in to find out whether there will, in fact, ever be any more Browns Note podcasts because there's the slight possibility that I get to be a Rams fan after this, sadly, I do not believe that John Dorsey is going to... the. Going to so liberate me I will be back They're gonna take Darnold Or Mayfield If they take Allen though whoo, The next episode of this podcast Is going to be Could be interesting But with that let's, uh, let's bring on the man Mr. Brendan Leister Will be joining me here In just a moment You can find him At Brendan Leister On Twitter You can find me Ryan Burns At FTBL Sickness You can find this podcast At the Browns Note. At least until next week. Here's Brendan and I talking Brown's draft. A little blues seems appropriate. All right, and I'm glad to be joined now by my good friend, Mr. Brendan Leister, out there in the heart of Ohio. You can find him on Twitter at Brendan Leister. My man. We are but 48, not even now. It is, what, 36-ish hours away from the draft, and uh, all kinds of rumors circling the drain, all kinds of rumors popping up out of nowhere, and of course, as you know, I remain steadfastly, you know, keep calm and observe as they take Sam Darnold. Uh, Have you managed to quell your panic,
1: my friend? I have a little bit now that the people with sources seemingly seem to think that it's Sam Darnold, finally, once and for all, no more. I'm offended that you appear
0: to doubt my sources. Uh,
1: Yeah, (laughs) I apologize, man, but I've never heard of your sources in the past, so I wasn't sure this time. Well, that is why you should
0: take them seriously when I actually raise them. But, you know, I I think (laughs) – it has become. I mean, to me, it was always sort of the chalk pick that it was going to be Sam Darnold at one. And obviously, you got to be open to the possibilities. Um, and they have shown interest in other guys. Of course, I personally am not buying a whole lot of this Allen stuff. They can tell me till they're blue in the face that they're considering Josh Allen at one. Uh, let me just say it to you like this: I call bullshit. We're never going to know. They're going to insist that it was real. I call bullshit. But beyond that, I think you and I both basically feel like, you know, Darnold was your guy. You made the case for it on our podcast. I made the case with Sen Soga about Josh Rosen. You know, Rosen's my one, but that I don't feel all that strongly about it. And that, obviously, uh, I feel pretty good about the idea of a Darnold future. But having said all that, let's just sort of skip past, um, because we've done the quarterbacks at this point. There's no real need to argue over them again, and we kind of see it similarly, so... Folks, if you're really married to the Baker Mayfield idea or you're really married to Josh Allen, God help you. Or if you kind of are on the Lamar Jackson train, I get all of it. But we've sort of been around that track more than enough at this juncture. There are more than enough uh, podcasts and articles discussing the various merits of the various various QBs. And so there's no real point in going over all of it again. Let's just sum it up thusly. Brendan and I are both perfectly comfortable, at worst, with Sam Darnold. It seems awfully sure that it's going to be Sam Darnold. And if it's not Sam Darnold, well, we'll have a hell of a reaction podcast next week. Um, But let's talk about some of the other storylines, right? Because, look, the Browns are loaded with ammunition in this draft. They've got all these picks. They gave up the third rounder, and we really should, Brendan. We'll sort of soft into it by talking about what they did in free agency and in the advance of free agency when they traded their only third-round pick, number 65, to Buffalo for Tyrod Taylor. We briefly addressed it, but I think this is a good time to sort of, in light of the of the impact it will have on the team needs and and at least presumably on what they're going to do in the draft, makes some sense to go over some of those moves real quickly. Obviously, Tyrod Taylor, the big one there, it allows them some – breathing room to a rookie quarterback, whichever one they choose. Um, And if you think like me, you think that's valuable no matter which one you choose. So there's that part of it. Uh, Obviously, Chris Hubbard going to play some right tackle, which sounds like it moves Sean Coleman over into the starting left tackle position, at least as the first go. Uh, The trade for Randall, getting rid of Kaiser and adding Randall, sort of, we think, solidified the free safety position. Uh, T.J. Carey, the signing from Oakland. Another corner that at least is going to fight for a starting position, and the money sure looks like starter money. So talk to me about sort of how you view that package of moves now that we've got some distance from it and how it impacts what you think they might do come Thursday. That, uh, well, come, th- come this weekend, we'll say, because it's obviously a three-day event.
1: Yeah, to start off with Tyrod Taylor, I'm just excited to see competent quarterback play with the Browns. Uh, they clearly haven't had that much in recent years, if at all. Uh, I I also think that when you take a guy like Sam Darnold, who has had the turnover issues at times, you know, uh, not always protecting the football, it'll be good for him to sit and watch and study behind a guy that does a great job of taking care of the football and playing winning football and, and actually took the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs for the first time in forever. I mean, I think not enough has been said about that, really. He was the quarterback of that team and they even screwed him over kind of by pulling him one game and putting in the guy that threw, in, that threw five picks and Nathan Peterman. So I'm excited to see him. Uh, I'm excited to see Darnold, hopefully, if they take him, learn behind him. Um, and then Chris Hubbard, I was intrigued with him before free agency. Um, I saw his name a lot at the top of the um tackle rankings and free agency, you know, aside from Nate Solder, it seemed like Hubbard was one of the top guys. Uh, seemed like they got him at solid value. You know, you don't want to go out and spend a ton of money in free agency on your entire offensive line, but if you can get a decent value at the position for a guy that has a few starts and did play well in those starts, it's, it's just good to solidify that position. We'll see with Sean Coleman at left tackle. Um, I lean toward just giving him this year, um, you know, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, so I don't think that the left tackle position is going to be the difference between, you know, like playoffs versus five wins, for example. I just don't see well, that Well, it certainly team hasn't so.
0: been for the last 11 seasons, so why would it start to be now?
1: Exactly. So I think you give him this year, you see if he can play over there. He said that he's more comfortable there, and then if uh, if that doesn't work out, then – at the beginning of the league year next year, you target one in in a trade like the Bengals did with Cordy Glenn, or you target one in free agency, or if there's a guy in the draft that you really love and you're in position to get him, then you target that guy. But this is a really bad offensive tackle class. So I'm not really comfortable with the idea of investing big at the position unless it's really a great value at a spot. And they really love a guy and think he can step in day one and, you know, be the long-term fixture of the position
0: yeah the, the um, offensive tackle and this is a as good a time as any we can sort of meander through the needs in the draft it, it it's an interesting position to me because of course there's a natural tendency to look at the retirement of joe thomas and go oh my god there's a gigantic gaping hole we got to plug it immediately and oh we've got all these draft picks and at one of these first couple of spots you should take an offensive tackle and i mean i guess that's a an understandable and a natural thing i'm not like, like you, I'm not at all convinced that that would be the prudent thing. Having said that, uh, I, I do like the kid from Texas a decent amount. And if you were in the right spot to select him, I wouldn't feel real badly about that. I don't like... Like I, I would not be excited about UCLA's Colton Miller in the first round. I would oh no not, way! I would not be excited about Orlando Brown at pretty much anywhere that they could get him. And so, no chance. so to me, the only one that really intrigues me because I think Mike McGlinchey of Notre Dame is going to be really highly valued because he's he's technically sound. He absolutely understands what he's doing, and he's going to start day one. And I don't know that the I don't know that it would. No, let me rephrase. I don't think it makes any sense for the Browns to talk about him at the four spot. So unless they're trading out of four, it's not even worth discussing. And once you trade out of four, well, then there are so many other guys that I, you know, sure, offensive tackle is probably in the mix, but I don't, beyond that, who the hell knows? Um, but to me, it's just not the class where where you want to invest in that spot. And I, I think, and, and this is probably the case at several positions, the way I'm looking at how I expect them to approach this draft has been impacted by the players that they added in free agency. Even though I don't think any of these guys are super high-grade players, with maybe I mean, I suppose some would argue that Landry is. I think he's a I think he's a very solid player, but I'm not yep. over the moon about him and I'm not expecting him to light the world on fire. But it seems to me like what the Browns have said to us is we are not thrilled with the notion of trying to draft offensive tackles or maybe defensive backs that have to play right away. Because they went out and addressed those positions and they addressed them kind of aggressively. And unless they're going to take Maglitchy pretty high, I guess I don't think Connor Williams plays right away. I hope Golden Miller doesn't play right away. And so I just don't see that as a as a big priority in the draft. In fact, you'd have to say I don't see offensive line as a priority in the draft.
1: Yeah, it really just depends on if they trade down. I think um you know we'll get a little further into you know the different picks and all that but you know if if Bradley Chubb's already off the board I think if the Giants take him at number two there's a much higher chance that the Browns would trade out of four maybe the Bills move up to that spot and then at, at that value if you move down to 12 then then you're talking about about more of an area where you take Mike McGlinchey for example, and then maybe if Connor Williams falls to 33, he could be in the mix. I really hope Colton Miller is not, because I don't think that guy's going to be the long long term answer. I I just view that as a panic throwaway pick kind of. If if they take him, I just I don't see it. I think that if he went to New England with the offensive line coach that they had or that they have in the program they have. I think they would do a much better job of developing it. It's a lot I just easier to play a tackle when
0: the ball's gone in under a second and a half.
1: Oh, exactly. Right. Yeah, and I think Tyrod Taylor will help the offensive line with the way that he does. You know, move around. He does hold the ball, but he moves around. He evades pressure. Um, it's like a give and take with him. But, but yeah, and I've also heard people say that with Connor Williams that maybe he projects a little better to guard. So. I I don't have a strong take on his game, honestly, but uh, I've seen that take a few times uh, from some smart people. You asked about uh, Demarius Randall. I'm excited to see him at free safety. I I think it was definitely worth giving up Deshaun Kaiser for him. I was never a fan of him. Everybody who follows me knows that. Um, And... You know he has ball skills. He got his hands on the ball all the time in Green Bay. He might have given up a lot of receptions, but he wasn't really playing his natural position, the place he wanted to play the most. When uh, Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith came to Cleveland, came to Cleveland, it seems like he had an idea that he could potentially come here. He kind of let it, let let that out there in the new building, the Browns episode. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. I I do think that if if the value is there at some point, they could definitely target. Another safety because the only guy really behind him is Kai Nakua and and you are taking a chance on Randall and he is in a contract year, I believe. So it's hard to say a hundred percent if he will, you know, have a great year this year or if he'll leave in free agency next year. So that could be a huge hole going into the next offseason. And then with TJ Carey, um I honestly haven't studied his game closely, but I'm pretty—I I have an understanding that he played a lot uh, covering the slot last year in Oakland. The Browns are projecting him more, I think, to play outside. I think he— be- I believe that he said he would play left corner with the Browns, and I assume he's played there a decent amount. But I'm pretty sure that he was mostly a nickel guy in the past. Um, they definitely paid him what looks like starter money, but I know that with a lot of these contracts that they've given these guys, they can get out of them. Quickly, like within a year or two, for the most part, they have a lot of flexibility as a team. They're not a lot of player friendly deals. So we'll see how that goes. But they added three different guys in free agency to the cornerback position. So I agree with you that they kind of loaded that up with veterans thinking, you know, if we find a corner early that's a stud like a Denzel Ward, because I could see them targeting him, then great, and so be it. Right. Then that's awesome. He plays as soon as he's ready and. I think he could lock people down in the NFL. I'm a huge fan of his game. I've, I've seen him ever since high school, honestly. I saw him at Nordonia. He's an incredible player, great career at Ohio State. Um, but then if you have to draft a guy maybe in the second round and that guy is not quite on that level and he takes a little longer to come along like corners often do, then you know you still have EJ Gaines, you have TJ Carey you have Howard Wilson who they drafted last year we don't know a lot about him yet but still he looked like a talented guy out of Houston they have Brian body Calhoun and they have Terrence Mitchell and Jamar Taylor who we probably assume will most likely be traded between now and the season but we'll see he's on the roster still for now so that's a lot of names so they have flexibility with that position based on free agency.
0: Yeah, you know, you, when you say that, that's probably the, the better takeaway than they have eliminated these positions from contention. The better way to put it, like you just said, is that they have flexibility. They, they aren't, you know, there aren't these gaping holes at those positions that have to be band-aid fixed. You know, the, they can approach the draft with a pragmatic view of the value and the skill of each player. And and move accordingly. And so, with with that in mind, I actually look. I don't really have any beef with what Dorsey and company have done to set themselves up for the draft. In light of what draft weaponry they were left with, obviously, pretty fortunate to have all that. But let's let's sort of start clumping some of this stuff together. They've got I, the way I look at it is you've got the picks days one and two, and then you've got the day three whatever fest Uh, for me all the day three stuff you better hit on a couple of those guys here and there but what you hit on it to me is kind of gravy you need to be making your money in the first second third rounds especially when you have three second rounders and i'll just tell you this brings back horrible horrible nightmares of 2009 when they were taking the likes of muhammad masakwai and david vacune and the other wide receiver, who I'm... Brian Rubisky. Yeah, Brian, Brian Rubisky. That was a pretty piss-poor second round. And if we come out of it with three guys like that this time, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. Um, but I think, it, you know, I look at that that Jarvis Landry signing, and you've got Josh Gordon and Corey Coleman, and you start to wonder, okay, what what is the wide receiver position like? Because it's been really talked about a lot. Uh, in Cleveland, and I know they signed Jeff Janis. I don't know how seriously I'm supposed to take him as a wide receiver player. And so, I look at it like this: obviously, they obviously I look at the, they intend to have they intend for Landry to have a big role, right? Corey Coleman, they appear at best ambivalent about. So it won't surprise me if he either starts Week One and puts up a big season, or is no longer on the roster a week from this moment. I think both of those things are plausible. Josh Gordon. Sure. Love to have him. Glad he's back. Are you counting on it? I sure hope not. That would be imprudent. And beyond that, what are we talking about at that position if you're John Dorsey? Seems pretty clear he doesn't think all that highly of the wide receiver group. Having said that, we've seen in recent years that if you're looking for immediate help from the wide receiver position, the draft most of the time is probably not where you're going to get it. So, it makes sense then that they would go out and get a guy like Jarvis Landry, who they can at least count on to catch the football, right? When all else fails, Jarvis Landry is going to catch the ball. So there's that. But
1: if you're looking at that group, and he's going to work. I think sure. I think just to sure add to that before you get to some more points, it's just I think he's also like a culture yeah, presence yeah. that you, that they want. So you can I, continue. I agree. I just for me,
0: I'm looking at that group thinking. I would be pretty surprised if Dorsey felt really good about that group on the whole as we sit here today.
1: Oh, no. And, well, you can't. Yeah. You can't do that. I mean, But then list. again,
0: the draft is not the place you're going to get immediate production, most likely. So no. th- there's a give and take there. So as you look at all these picks, I guess I sort of have been assuming all along. Let's just say this. Before they traded for Tyrod Taylor and gave up 65, I would have bet my house – that one of those first five picks was a wide receiver. Now, I'm a lot less sure about that. And I guess it's probably one of those areas where I suppose a good GM is going to wait and see. But maybe there's a guy in this group that they just got to have, and they're targeting. So, look, there is a list of wide receivers that I think are worth their consideration. But I'll be damned if I can tell you sort of... How this team is going to view any of them, right? There are all sorts of guys that may or may not be able to play. Guys like DJ, I mean, there are guys that I like, and I'll just sprinkle off a few of them. I really like DJ Moore. I really like Dante Pettis. Um, I like James Washington at Oklahoma State a lot. I know some people think of him as a as kind of a one trick pony. Everything out of the Senior Bowl uh practice week told me that that he had a little more to him than that. I like uh, Saint Brown, the kid out of Notre Dame. I like his brother a little better, but that's a couple years off. Um, Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller is the guy I was going to conclude with because he's my favorite one in the draft. Now, I look at Anthony Miller and I think he's probably redundant to a guy like Jarvis Landry. Um, But in short, I would want Anthony Miller on my football team, period, end of story. Uh, As you look at this group and you look at these picks – kind of where do you think the sweet spot is and if you have any have you gleaned any kind of feeling out of what you've seen of dorsey's history as far as what kind of what kind of guys he might value
1: i think he definitely values explosiveness at the position if you look at some of the guys they have taken i mean malcolm uh, or uh the guy from who's the guy that they took in kansas city um are we talking fourth about fourth round pick or tyreek hill the uh I'm not talking about him obviously that's an explosive athlete great player (laughs) but I'm talking about um he was like a fourth round pick the name is escaping me but he was was it Malcolm Mitchell did he go there did he go to the Patriots yeah he was a
0: Patriot are you thinking of Albert Wilson
1: I'm not thinking of him it's a different guy that was in one of those past few drafts but I just know that that, the guy I'm thinking of was a big, fast receiver. And then you look at like Jordy Nelson and Green Bay. Uh, I'm sure that Dorsey was there for Greg Jennings. Um, he was there for Randall Cobb, I believe. And then in recent years, the guys from Green Bay that are with the Browns now, they took Devontae Adams as well. So those are all, I mean, kind of a lot of different skill sets there, but Really what it comes down to is either a lot of explosiveness or some polished route running. That's that's what I would say for all those guys. They can either run or they can run great routes or they can do both. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of like, uh, you know, big, um, like, like, a, like a Kelvin Benjamin type guy. I don't think you're going to see like a lot of big receivers that have trouble separating or anything like that that are slower. I think you're going to see more explosive guys or guys with great polish as route runners. Um, I think as far as sweet spot with wide receivers, I mean, the first round is definitely not the case. I mean, this is going to be most likely a second round pick in my opinion. I think the more I've thought about it lately, I've kind of narrowed it down to some positions that I could see them targeting on day two. And I think in the second round, one of those picks is likely to be a wide receiver. Um, they should be able to come away with one of the best wide receivers in the draft. I mean, it's hard to hard to say who exactly that'll be because the thing with this wide receiver class is there's so many names. And the only thing that really separates the different guys is just skill sets, the fits with the different teams, just what the teams are looking for. All the boards are going to be different. Um, so like I could see them, for example, you know, we were talking about running routes and separation. I know, I'm not, I haven't been the huge, like the biggest fan of Calvin Ridley, you know, like he's not, he didn't test great. He's an older prospect. I do account for age with prospects. I think that the year that they break out, the age they are when they break out matters. I've seen a lot of data about that from, you know, analytics people, so to speak, um, over the years, but I could see them really liking Cal- Calvin Ridley. He's there at the beginning of the second round. Um, DJ Moore is a guy that I, I'm a big fan of. I like Christian Kirk a lot, but I know a lot of people have him pegged as a slot receiver. So, I mean, I think he could play outside, but it really depends on what the Browns think. Um, James Washington, that that's a guy that I could see them targeting at the end of the second round. Maybe the beginning if they really are in love with him, but I think his value is probably closer to round three. Uh, but overall, I mean, there's a lot of different wide receivers in this class. I think they're definitely going to add to the position once, maybe twice. Um, because you just can't count on Josh Gordon staying active. And, <laughs> Anywhere near the football on, field. Exactly, and you can't count on Corey Coleman. Um, you can't bank on Corey Coleman taking that next step. I mean, we can all be you know, positive, optimistic that he'll take the next step with better quarterback play without getting a broken hand fluke injury, but until we see that happen, it's hard to say what's going to happen. And also, I mean, this is a little – Beside the point, kind of, but I mean he did have that drop, and that's gonna impact a dude psychologically when you have that type of a drop that leads to 0 and sixteen, you know, with all the backlash that he has received. So that's another thing. How is he gonna handle that as well? I mean, is he gonna be focused when he gets back to the facility? All that. So Boy, I, I tell you, if
0: going 0 and 16 is all on that drop, I got some questions. And no, so, <laughs>
1: it's, it's not at all. I'm not saying that. You know that. But all I'm saying is the kid, I mean, a player might put it on himself. That's that's yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, get the yeah. backlash from the fans, from the media. Everybody was watching that clip at the end of the season. That's that's the point. But And then you can't really bank on, like I said, Jeff Janis. He's known as a gunner. He's a special teams guy. He had a couple big catches on Hail Marys. Rashard Higgins had a few Okay, games last year, but for the most part, he didn't get targets. Um, and then yeah. Ricardo Lewis. I mean, he's been a feast or famine guy. I think Ricardo Lewis is
0: gone, thing. but I could be crazy. I, I expect I expect Dorsey to overhaul it. I really do. Yeah, um, behind the first like three guys, yeah, yeah. Let me let me let me ask it to you like this. Let's say they were going to draft a quarterback at I don't know thirty five, and then let's say they were going to draft one in the fourth round who's your favorite guy for that 35
1: slot who's your favorite guy for the fourth round talking about cornerbacks no wide receiver no wide receivers okay um i'd say dj moore is definitely my favorite for the 35 spot from everything i've seen to this point um and then for the fourth round i think I mean, I'm a big fan of Dante Pettis the way that he runs routes. If Anthony Miller's there, I would jump all over that. I'm not convinced that that guy is just redundant to Jarvis Landry. I mean, you can. Oh, have, he's not.
0: He can look, and yeah. even if he is, well, give me I think two he can them. play outside
1: from everything <laughs> I've seen. I mean, the routes he separates everywhere. He goes up over people and catches the ball. It's it's not exactly the same as Jarvis Landry was in college. Like not like it's all. little. No, a I little like, more. I like Miller an
0: awful lot, and Miller. The, Miller to me is a tone setter no matter what else he is and that's why I want him and, and frankly I think I think both of those guys should be gone you mentioned Pettis and Miller they should both be gone before the fourth round but I I feel you I'm not sure they will be they not think they will be
1: because of this class the guys are with a lot of guys upside, at wide so receiver you yeah. go
0: earlier wide receiver and running back have a lot of depth in this class even if there's not You know, there's no "quote unquote" Saquon Barkley in the wide receiver class, but but there's a lot of depth in both of those positions, and I do think it's it will be interesting to see how Dorsey addresses those two spots. And you know, it's, it's there have been some conversations I've had this week with a lot of Browns fans who seem to think running back is all buttoned down, which to me is obviously not right. But talk to me about that position from your standpoint, because look. We've got a Todd Haley offense coming in, and it's at least my sort of vague impression of Todd Haley that he would prefer to have a main running back and then some backups as opposed to a relatively flexible mix of running backs. Maybe I'm all wet about that, but he seems to have somewhat of a traditional bent in that regard just based on what he's done in the past. That might be personnel-driven, and it might not matter to him at all. It's just what I'm trying to glean. But I don't think anybody could look at Carlos Hyde Objection, objectively and say oh yeah he's obviously a perfect proven ready-to-go workhorse back and i assume most anyone is going to agree that duke johnson ought to see the football a good amount having said that i think running back is probably going to be a pretty big priority for a guy who is a quote-unquote football guy who drafts people like kareem hunt in the third round and who I'm not suggesting he's going to do it super early, but I suspect that the running back, John Dorsey, eventually, whichever one he... And I, I'm i saying all this assuming they will take one of, one of these picks. Um, I I would bet you that when he takes whichever one he takes, he thinks that guy's got a good chance to be his starting running back.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I'm I'm actually of the opinion with modern football that I think Duke Johnson should be the lead back. I mean, just with the things that he's shown not only in the past game but as a runner as well he's so underrated and he hasn't really got the opportunity to get as many carries as he should get now is he dealing with nagging injuries all the time and that's keeping him from it and we just don't know about that that's possible it might be the case but if he's perfectly fine if he's you know he's just getting taken out of the game by the running backs coach because they're rotating him out to give Crow the carries last year, then I think Duke should be getting more carries because he's a really productive runner as well as being a dynamic threat in in the passing game. Um, as far as Carlos Hyde, I just think he's going to be a guy that keeps you on schedule. Um, the way that they paid him, it just makes me wonder with how early they're going to draft the running back. I think the more I've thought about it, like I was saying with receiver, the more I've gotten to the point where unless there's an incredible value at like 64, I'm starting to think more and more that fourth or fifth round is when they're going to take the running back. That's what I think. I think that there's there's going to be value. This running back class is absolutely insane. There's not going to be 10 running backs that go on No, day I, two. I agree with you. It's just not going to be that way. There's going to be a there's,
0: guy or maybe three guys in round four there's be a ton that you feel yeah. like probably would go second, third round, other, other drafts. I agree completely. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and here's, like, here's Royce, my, where's Royce Freeman game. going?
0: Oh, exactly. Where, like, where's the most kid drafts, from, that's a second or third round. Miami yeah.
1: going. The kid from Miami's awfully good. Walton. Yeah. Where's Walton. Walton going? I mean, he's going in the fourth round. Most likely I yeah, would say these are good. You know? And, and like the guy from Auburn and K- that's Johnson. That actually, yeah. Yeah. and Johnson. I think that's the guy that Dorsey might target. I just have a feeling he taught, I saw where he has, Great, like contact balance, and he, you know, he moves the pile. He gets yards after contact. I think that's all stuff that Dorsey really valued. I heard him talk about the Kareem Hunt pick last year. Just call this like a hunch. You know, this is just my gut feeling. I just think that they might target him if he's there, you know, in the fourth round or maybe package a few picks with a player. Maybe they trade Jamar Taylor with a pick and try to move up into the late third round or something, or move up a little in the fourth round. I could just see them possibly targeting him. Um, it's hard. To, it's just hard to say where these guys are going to go, but, but I really think that that's going to be where it is. But, but my take on the running back position in recent years is um, with how easy these players come in the NFL and they transition, you know, if, if guys get opportunities early on, they play right away. They like, they play well right away is what I'm getting at. They can thrive early at running back. It's not like quarterback where no rookie quarterback comes in and it is actually consistently good. They all have flaws. They all make mistakes, but with running back, you can find a guy that comes in and they're Alvin Kamara. They're, they're uh, Kareem hunt. You know, they lead the league in rushing or they make a dynamic impact or even Fournette. you know what he did for the Jags. I mean, Those That makes a difference. So my whole point with this is I think you want to get four years out of a running back if you're going to draft one. And, and like, you expect him to be the bell cow, like you were saying. If you expect him to be the starter, you don't want him sitting on the bench behind Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. And I understand that depth is important. That's a rugged position. Guys get injured. But you still don't want to waste – you don't want to use a second-round pick on a guy that's sitting behind those two, and, and, and I don't also, think he would.
0: That's what I'm saying. I, th- I think if he's taking a running back on day
1: two, you think that guy would play over Carlos Hyde 100. percent You think? I think it's more likely than not. I mean, Carlos Hyde's getting like a, Carlos Hyde is never ten, rushed. Top for ten running back contract. Carlos I'm Hyde is never Carlos rushed Hyde. for a
0: thousand yards in a season. He, oh, I know. He has a pretty I, decent. He has a four, a little over four yard per carry average. And what I'm telling you is, yeah, I think if Dorsey takes a guy in the first couple rounds or the first three rounds, I think what he's telling you is he thinks that guy's better than Carlos Hyde.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's possible. And it's not the end of the world if the guy sits for a year and then you let go of high. Well, he's never that, going to sit.
0: That guy's going to play.
1: You can't take running
0: backs and sit them. That, this is, yeah. It's 2018. The, the value yeah. of a running back
1: is in that four-year deal. And, oh, it has to. And You have to get four full years out of the guy because you don't want to really give him the second contract never. if they're a good player. Which is, which is the argument against taking
0: a guy like Saquon Barkley in the top five. It just makes oh. no sense because by the time One you get to that many. second contract, it's not worth it. Um, but yeah, I, to me, that's that'll be an interesting spot. The running, I don't know how much you want to be counting on Carlos Hyde, but maybe I'm crazy
1: um and same thing at, it's, it's just so, that they paid him that way that's that's the point of making they might have it. had to it's top 10 money i mean it, they might have had to um yeah. and it, the guy i was thinking of earlier the wide receiver it wasn't malcolm mitchell double m it was chris conley double c <laughs> from georgia <laughs> that's third round pick in 2015 so big fast wide receiver i remember a lot of the analytics people liked him so you know we'll see what happens with that position but yeah big fast guy
0: well, let's switch over to the other side of the ball. I, I suppose tight end we could talk about. I, I don't expect tight end to be a big area of focus. They, oh. I suppose if the right value there, they'll jump on one. But I don't expect it to be a focus.
1: So Three solid to good ones. They yeah,
0: don't, yeah. I hope they don't really target that. Flip it over to the other side of the ball. I know you've been really big on the idea of interior disruption. I don't disagree with that. I do wonder, are we sure we're not going to get some interior disruption out of guys like Ogan Joby? Out of guys, uh, I guess I'd be not excited about, but I'm definitely curious to see what, uh, an off season in the program and, um, coming into the the camp is going to look like for a guy like Brantley. Again, I come back to the same kind of philosophy about it where there's nobody I got to have at these positions in this draft. And so it's going to depend on what's available when I come up to draft. Um, Maurice Hurst seems to be, based on all the most recent buzz, like a guy that probably has a really bad medical and that we shouldn't expect to be part of that early group. And that's too bad because he maybe is the most talented one of that position and probably would have been, all else being equal, if that guy's fully healthy, I'd I'd at least want to hear about a discussion of him at four. So to me, Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a shame that that sounds like it's not going to happen there doesn't unless it's day three yeah i i'm just talking about early in a in a place where you ought to expect to get some contribution you know i i look around the rest Correct. of that draft i'm not sure that guy's there for the browns uh, i like harrison phillips does he really improve the browns right away i'm not sure he does in the spot you're gonna get him um even though and i really what like we're the talking player.
1: about yeah. we're talking about interior disruption as well not a you know, yeah, he's more a guy of a well rounded solid player than he is. He's a Bates guy that's disruptor. probably coming off the field on pass downs. So that that automatically Yeah. I'm not looking for more Sheldons that just wait around the line of scrimmage. That's my mindset on that position has con- completely shifted recently. I just want I want guys that stop the run on the way to the quarterback. I remember Mike Pettin used to say that, he used to talk about that with guys, and I know he did take Danny Shelton, so it kind of goes against that for, you know, what they took, but still, I want guys that penetrate, they get up the field, they make plays in the backfield, I love Ogan Joby at one technique. I mean, let's not pretend
0: Mike Pettin got any chance to deploy anything the way he wanted to, I mean...
1: Oh. Sure. I, I
0: expect that he intended to use Danny Shelton, not unlike we're about to see Danny Shelton get used in New England. And Danny Shelton's going to look like a real good player. I, pro, I I just, I guarantee you, a year yeah. from now we're going to be going, oh, Danny Shelton's really good now that he's oh, in no. New England.
1: He's a really good player. He is. It, it's just different types of players, and at this point, like with modern football, I just I value the guys that get up the field that penetrate that. You know, two out of three plays are pass plays. I don't like the guys that just sit around the line of scrimmage hand fighting because they're not athletic enough to beat the guy and get up the field and hit the quarterback. Like, I want four guys up front all the time that beat blocks, get in the backfield, create, you know, great negative plays in the run game and hit the quarterback in the pass game. So you're I taking want guys Bradley that, Chubb at four without thinking about it. Oh, absolutely. I am. If he's there. I'm at that point now. You know, I had considered Harold Landry and the idea of him with Hearst and all that and the trade down. I mean, if Chubb is there. Now, mind you, we're not saying
0: Chubb is interior disruption. He's more of an end.
1: Well, I think that leads to interior disruption. By by way of Garrett Nogba moving inside. Or him or Chubb because a lot of Chubb's production came on inside moves. I mean, he's not a guy that, like, bends the edge and – like, he's another big defensive end. These are all 270-pound-plus guys. These aren't small, like, Von Miller 250 guys. You know, these are big They're guys. that are speed rushers, amazing. yeah. Exactly. I mean, Garrett can do it the best of, of all of them, but the thing with him is you move him inside. <laughs> the and thing good with him is he can do things centers. other
0: people cannot do.
1: <laughs> he does whatever he wants, yeah. He collapses the pocket, I mean. The thing with him is you put two guys on him if you put him inside, and then it creates one on one matchups everywhere else. So I uh yeah, that's the well, reason I so take Bradley Chubb. I realize we're bouncing a little in, bit. And realize, another thing with Okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, another thing with Garrett, so three of his seven sacks last year came playing inside. Two of them, he lined up at three technique, so that's lined up on the outside shoulder of the guard. Another one he lined up at one technique. So he was lined up over the center. So when you do that, you can run all kinds of stunts with athletes. I mean, you look at Jacksonville's defensive line, they basically have four defensive ends on the field on pass downs. Yeah, but one of them is two collapsed. out of Candle. three down. <laughs> I know. That's the idea, though. It's it's not unrealistic to develop a defensive line like that over time. People need to not be satisfied. That's the thing. You stop stop looking at these guys and thinking, oh, Travon Cole, he's got flashes. He might be decent. Like, no, stop. Like, yeah, that guy shows some flashes, but he's not lighting the world on fire. Like, don't be satisfied with the most important position outside of quarterback. Interior disruption is number two besides quarterback. Edge rush is number three. That's... I think we just Bad. say
0: defensive line is number two, and we'd be probably yeah. covering it because if you look at yeah. the way that teams that don't have great quarterbacks have won. It's always defensive line. If you yeah. don't have the best quarterbacks in the league, you better have one of the best defenses in the league, and all of that starts with up front. So, I mean, you look the at Eagles, the way that – yeah, too. the Eagles did it. The Giants have always done it that way. The Baltimore Ravens have always done it that way. And so it should, yeah. be, it should be pretty obvious to us by now. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I look at the rest of that defense and I think they could certainly stand to upgrade most positions in the defensive backfield even though I don't think they're terrible at any one of them. They are in my mind in no desperate need for linebackers. I have seen a number of people come at me with, "Oh my god, we need linebackers." And I'm thinking to myself, "Well, number one, we've got more linebackers than we're going to use most of the time. You've got I mean, let's just start with Kirksey and Collins. And Schobert. to me, those are all quality players. you can you could call them whatever you want. Collins is a freak show athlete. Schobert is extremely productive. Kirksey is extremely productive. And Collins, at times, has been really productive. And so for me, to be an upgrade on any of those guys at Linebacker, you'd have to be talking about a first round pick, and the Browns aren't going to do that. So to me, linebacker in the draft comes down to is there a guy that they absolutely love who falls to them at a position where they feel like he shouldn't even be on the board and they therefore take it do you see linebackers being something anybody's looking to address
1: well i think they will probably take one on day three but it's just going to be a depth guy it's going to be a guy that can back up at mike and will and that's is probably he gonna be any better type. than burgess and he's uh burgess i mean he'll back up at sam so that's why i've clarified yeah. mike and will but but yeah i mean is he gonna be better going than tank not. carter with him it's it's hard to say this guy that i'm talking about my it's point.
0: compete for special <laughs> they're not teams. Getting, yeah, it's just they're gonna, not getting tremaine edmonds in this draft
1: oh hell no it's just gonna <laughs> it's gonna be a special teams player i mean that's the type of guys you hope for on day three that can come in and just contribute help the team in some way and I think yeah, I'd, I'd be really
0: surprised through. if linebacker was an early investment, wouldn't you?
1: Oh, not an early investment at all. Yeah. No. Nope.
0: That's and, what I'm getting and at. And so
1: the defensive backfield
0: I, I expect that they feel like they've got their starters unless something happens in the first round where there's a corner that fits what they're trying to find, be it Ward, be it uh maybe Josh Jackson later in the round maybe they pop up from the from the early second into the late first for that fifth year option on a guy in the corners of the guy. I tend to doubt that kind of thing, but look, Dorsey is probably not going to covet his cheaper draft picks the same way other guys do or at least not the way previous regimes did here. Um and so it wouldn't totally shock me if he he spent a pick or two to move up back into the first round and do what Sashi did last year and get three first round picks. Um But having said that, I kind of look at this group of players that – not the group of players, sorry. The group of available draft picks, and I'm talking about 1 and 4 and 33 and 35 and 64. That first five picks to me is the Cleveland Browns draft this year. There's all that stuff that's going to happen on day three. There will be undoubtedly a couple of fun ideas in there, and one or two of those guys are probably going to make some contributions. But to me – the draft is two things. It is quarterback. Who's the quarterback of the future? Because if you fuck that all up, the rest of this is moot. It's pointless.
1: Nothing else matters. Everybody's getting fired, and then all the guys are busting because they're playing in five different fucking offenses and defenses. <laughs> you sound like you've seen, seen something every like year that forever. before.
0: <laughs> it's almost like we're so familiar cool. with that scenario. Oh, my God. Yeah, so <laughs> to me, that's that's story one is – They're going to pick a quarterback. They're going to take it at one. And all these – look, for those of you that are out there still wondering, and I I actually kind of doubt you're listening to this podcast, if you think it's possible they're going to take something besides a quarterback at number one. Like if 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 you think they're going to take Barkley or you think they're going to skip quarterback for Chubb, I'm not sure you have been paying very close attention. because the I looked
1: at the odds a little bit ago, and Chubb was at plus 1,500 yeah.
0: at one. The, the only <laughs> reason Sashi Brown isn't making this pick is because he didn't take Carson Wentz or Deshaun Watson. That's the only reason. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if they had a veteran on the roster last year that could kind of yeah they go they down instead of ties Yeah, they went four games and not here. Yeah. If, yeah. if they had, like, a veteran. Better like, than Oswald. Like, better than, than Josh Tyson.
0: McCown. Maybe. I mean, he, he didn't really well to win a few games in Cleveland. Cleveland. Won a few games yeah. with New York, and I don't think
1: that New played York played a hell of a lot better in New York than he did in Cleveland. It seems that way. I mean, there were some the games in
0: Cleveland. Browns, happened. look, I'm talking about four wins. He was good enough for yeah. four wins. And, sure. and, and so, look.
1: They wanted him to be the quarterback coach. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus.
0: So, back to the point. As you look at those five picks one, four, 33, 35, 64 give me your sort of ideal basket of players. And it could be whatever group of positions you like. It can be whatever. Just give me an ideal. Here's five players that I think realistically could go in those spots. And, of course, we're not going to hold you you know, feet to the fire over whether one of these guys might be available a few picks up or down. Give me your basket of five that you'd love to see them come out with.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, Darnold at one. I don't need to give any more than that. Bradley Chubb at four. I've already given my take on that as well. Um, I, I was in love with Maurice Hurst at, at 33. I mean, I I still want them to get him if they have him on the board still. If there's a chance that he can hold up injury like medically, I I want them to end up with him. But but at 33, I like realistically at this point with everything that I'm seeing, what I understand, I would like Taven Bryan. I really like the idea of him in this defense he's a guy that gets up the field he might not always know exactly what he needs to do and his football iq might not be the best but he is going to wreak havoc in the backfield he's going to hit quarterbacks he will push the pocket beat blocks i mean he he penetrates he has a quicker first step than just about anybody in the class um he's defensive tackle from florida i'd love to see him play three technique next to ogan Joby. Um, you, you could kind of play Ogunjobi on some pass downs and then Taven Bryant could play some pass downs as well. You're, that's the thing is on these pass downs, some guys are going to have to come off the field sometimes. It's you're rotating guys on the defensive line. So you, that's why you need depth. You don't ever want to have Jamie meter in, I mean, he shouldn't be on the team this year anyway, but anyway, you don't want to ever have a guy like that on the field on a pass down. You don't ever want that because that's one less guy that can get after the quarterback. So anyway, so Taven Bryan at 33, um, 35, hopefully I'll say DJ Moore. you know, a wide receiver, maybe a cornerback. I'm not as well versed with the different cornerbacks in the class. There are just so many guys, but I know that there's a basket of players that could potentially be in the mix at the top of the second round. And then at 64, I could see it being a running back if a guy falls that's just unreal like if nick chubb was actually there like he is on fan speak so often it's like how do you really pass on nick chubb at, at the bottom of the second round you know like that for example but um other than that seems like maybe if i do pass on him attack, at 35
0: i'm taking him there
1: <laughs> it's tough yeah it's tough but i mean if you put him versus dj Moore, and it's like Damn, I I, I like Chubb an awful lot discussion. and I, I, yeah. I tend to positional think, value though I definitely put more above Chubb and what this team needs though yeah. I mean and it's not about and I'm and this isn't getting into a case where it's oh well if we don't take the best player we're gonna get a bust like I don't think it's something like that because you're looking at maybe the the best guys that they're positioned in the draft I mean if you listen to Matt Waldman he would certainly say Nick Chubb is his top running back and uh I know that that is crazy to a lot of people, but it's true. And then I'm I'm assuming DJ Moore is probably near the top of his wide receivers list. So, yeah, I think positional value comes into play when you're talking about two guys that are similarly similar, similarly rated on a board. But yeah, those are the positions I think they'll really be considering on on day two most likely.
0: Yeah, I, I obviously the quarterbacks going one whichever one you like. I'd take Rosen. I'm fine with Darnold. I expect it to be Darnold, of course, and I guess I would, I would, I would probably take Chubb if he's sitting there for. But I would let's take the side detour here. Buffalo offers you twelve, twenty-two, their first round pick in twenty nineteen and some change for number, and second round pick for, for number second four. round pick or two. Uh, I mean, maybe one of them. You're not getting two of them. You've got three right. first rounders. So, I mean, look. You're getting twelve and twenty two already. You're probably getting a second, maybe next year, and first night. You know, somewhere in there, you're getting another pretty good pick. But if
1: they're trading up for Josh Allen, that might be number one overall next year.
0: (laughs) Right, right. That's kind of my thing. Is look, I'm interested in a pick from a team from a team who's desperate to get Josh Allen when they've got Nate, Nate Peterman on their roster and they've got AJ McCarron on their roster. So, I mean, look, I would give that deal. And I I think that's reasonable to expect that if Buffalo thinks they're getting from from twelve to four, um, look, they're giving up twelve, they're giving up another first, and they're giving up another, and they're giving up next year's first. I think that's I think that's pretty likely if they're gonna make it. And
1: I want first. another pick this year at least. Yeah. At least another pick no, this year. No, I think year. that's reasonable.
0: I don't know if it would be the two or not, but whatever. You get the idea. Yeah. That's a big ass haul.
1: It is. I'd be the, pretty the thing comfortable with that, with that at four. Yeah, we definitely should discuss this. In in detail because it's something that could happen. I mean, because it's definitely possible. Chubb goes at two because from what I've un what I understand, it I feels think the Browns to me are like wrong. it should be the chalk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, no. I think the quarterback should be chalk for the Giants. If right. it was me, I'm taking Rosen. Right. I'm taking Rosen at two. I'm running. That's if it, if I'm the GM, but I'm not. I've got Gettleman who likes taking running backs to the top ten. So. He clearly views the game differently than I do. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I think my issue with it is you pass on Chubb. So then you're left with this this basket of players that... Well, no, I feels, think, I'm saying you probably don't have
0: Chubb. Shit. I think Chubb's gone if they're making this move.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right with that. So then you're probably looking at... I think it's probably Denzel Ward would be the guy because I think that they probably really like him from it just seems that way to me. I imagine it's either Chubb or Denzel Ward ideally for them. I don't really think they'll take Barkley. I mean, I could be surprised and if they do, then peace out Duke Johnson when he no, leaves. I the agree creators. with you.
0: I think Barkley's not Starts. really an option to
1: them. Yeah, but uh but I don't think they'd take Ward at four. Uh, I think I think somehow they would find a way to trade down. I think they probably got an offer at this point where if Chubb's not there at four, they're probably going to move down somewhere. But it's just hard to say if that's all the way down to 12. The thing with 12 is I just have so much concern with who's, like, who's going to be there at the positions that are going to impact winning. If Josh winning Allen and of- Saquon
0: Barkley are going in the top 10 and you know Quentin Nelson is going in the top 10, now you're talking about nine picks. Uh, to me, I'm doing that because I know I got nine guys I like. Now, not everybody will, but
1: it's I'm gonna I'm gonna, somebody, I'm gonna get somebody.
0: I'm gonna I'll just put it to you like this. I feel the same way about it I did last year, which is the 12 is gonna be a really fucking good player. And at last year, you could have gotten your starting quarterback at 12, but we didn't do that. You know, so to me.
1: And I still think Peppers will be a player. I still think that. I, I do too, the-
0: but I, even if he's a player, I'd rather have Deshaun Watson than Njoku and Peppers. I just would.
1: Well, for sure, yeah.
0: And so, to me, that 12, there's going to be a really good player there, whether it's Landry, whether it's whether it's Ward, whether, God forbid, I'm forced to take a quote-unquote luxury pick, like Minka Fitzpatrick at 12. Well, that's not a luxury
1: pick. I You, mean, know, that's you see corner- what I'm getting
0: at? There are good that's players there. There are good players <laughs> there. I don't care yeah. if – I don't care if, look, once you get to 12, you're going to tell me that Minka is somehow not a need. That's a bunch of malarkey. And I know you're not going to tell me that, but that's what people say. And to me, that's malarkey because that is a, you're making a five-year pick in a great defensive player who will fit any system you make or any system you devise. And I don't really care about what you've done. And I don't really care that body Calhoun is there for another year or so. You've made an investment in a better football team over a long period of time. And so, to me, if I can get two or three guys I feel that way about, that's more valuable to me than it is taking Bradley Chubb. Because I bet you I can get 85% of Bradley Chubb out of Harold Landry in the passing downs, and I'll figure out how to do it. Well, and honestly,
1: the thing with him... I'm just so intrigued by Harold Landry. Honestly, I mean that is the guy. I, I think anybody who comes off it. the edge bends the edge, and you move Garrett Ogba inside like they did. Sometimes there were plays last year on Garrett's first sack against the Jets. If you really study that play, both guys were lined up over the de- over the guards. They were both at three technique. Yeah. Like they moved the defensive ends inside, and they had linebackers on the edges you could put collins and kirksey or showbert on the edges or if you have landry then you can move collins to one edge and you have and you have landry you on draft, the other side
0: you could draft derwin it's james and he's a really good blitzer there are all kinds of things i mean i realize
1: right. that's not very likely but fitzpatrick's a good blitzer yeah as well. yeah both very good and jabril peppers peppers a, a, great a great blitzer awesome yeah. he's a Fantastic blitzer when he's not 25 yards from the line of scrimmage. <laughs> but I, I think <laughs> I think what we're revolving
0: around here... Body Calhoun's a good one, too. ...is that there are a lot of ways to skin the defensive cap. And look, for me, when I'm team building, I am. you are not going to convince me that three late firsts, early seconds aren't just as good as one early first. I, I mean, if... Yeah. If, the, if the way that Bill Belichick operates or the way that a couple other teams like that operate is bad football, then I don't want to be good. Those guys maximize and go after that second round stuff, and there's reason for it. It has to do with flexibility, and granted, the Browns are in a really good position in this regard. Don't have to worry about it to the same degree, but good business is good business forever, always, period, end of story. You don't do stupid things just because you have a little bit of flexibility or just because you have a little bit of room to maybe be forgiven for doing stupid things. And I'm not saying that taking Bradley Chubb would be stupid. Obviously, that's ridiculous. But the the disdain with which some people would approach a trade down just because it is, in fact, a trade down, to me, makes no sense. You've got to be prudent about things. You've got to view your assets as they are. And you got to be realistic about the world you live in. You're on a bad team. You need lots of players. I don't care how good you think you were last year. I thought the Browns were a lot better than their record show, and I still think they probably only should have won four games. You need football players. And the idea of three or four football players rather than one, give me three A-minuses over one A. And that's kind of how I feel about it. And so I I look at that group and I think, look, unless you're getting somebody you think is a – borderline Hall of Fame player at four, you probably ought to be thinking real hard if somebody else is willing to give you three number one picks.
1: Yeah. And and that makes a lot of sense to me. My issue with it is just, I'm very confident that Bradley Chubb will at least be a solid B plus. He's going to be a B to a B plus. I'm not saying he's going to be an A to an A plus, which is yes, that's what you want from a top five pick. But honestly, the way that I view this draft, the more that I've watched these top guys, I don't think the non quarterbacks I don't think this is a great draft at the top for non quarterbacks. I just don't. I don't think it's a bunch of great players at value positions. This isn't 2011 with Bob no, Marcel Darius and JJ Watt and all the great all players guys. are at non premium positions. That's what I'm
0: getting at. Chubb aside. Chubb's Chubb's awfully good at a very big position.
1: Yeah. But yeah, but it's also he Part of his value in this draft, I have to admit as well, even though I'm all on board with that, I want that to be the pick. I like the dude. I like the player. I want it. The thing with that also is there's very little at edge in this draft. There's very few guys that can actually play the edge and come in and contribute that aren't like project picks. Like, you know, you can talk about Davenport, but there are questions. You know, he does look like a raw player that plays high and it could be like very big boom bust so to speak where that could be a major bust with just the physical tools but he never really turns into a player kind of like you know like mingo was so to speak or or he could turn into this fantastic athlete like almost an ansa or something you know like but then there's so at the top it's chubb who looks very safe i mean that that is kind of why i like that idea so much Is just you're adding a player that had 10 sacks and back-to-back years very good in the run game just going to be a solid player for as long as he's
0: on the team. You're hitting a very strong double that you might be able to stretch into a triple.
1: Exactly. And with Landry this past year, yes, he was hurt. He was playing injured. It didn't look the same, but he had like 16 and a half sacks, I think as a junior. So like that guy has the freak show traits where, okay, you know, there's questions there with the injury thing and maybe he doesn't quite ever come back to living up to that player he was as a junior. But if he does, then it's like, holy shit, this could be an A. This could be an A-plus type player where it's, wow, this is one of the best edge rushers in the whole NFL. That That's the kind of ability that he could have long-term. So it's balancing that out. And the other thing is if Harold Landry goes before 12 and the Browns are at 12, then I'm like, oh, damn it, because I wanted, a, I wanted another guy to rush. And and we didn't mention Chris Smith, who they did pick up in free agency, who I think they will move him inside on pass downs and he'll rush the passer as well. But I still want to keep adding to that group. As I've made clear many times, you you need lots of young, talented, explosive guys up front. And, and if you trade down from four and you don't get Chubb and you don't get Landry, I just, I come away with this and I'm like, Dang it. Unless it's like Denzel Ward, who I think can be just absolutely a lockdown corner. And and I do feel good about Minka Fitzpatrick. And I, I do understand all of the, the other stuff. You know, if you get like, let's say it's Darnold and then you get Fitzpatrick at 12. Let's say he's a Twelve, and then you get at 20, 21 right? You get and you um, get the
0: Williams kid out of Texas
1: at offensive tackle, or you get yeah, or or Taven Bryan, like right? Maybe you take him there to in front of Atlanta. You can I think put Atlanta, together some baskets. Then at thirty, yeah, you get then some baskets of players
0: that look pretty good.
1: Yeah, at that point at thirty three, then that's where it puts running back more into play. That high, like. If Darius Geis were to be there due to all his character stuff everybody's talking about, like I love Darius Geis. He's one of my favorite players in the draft. And then and then DJ Moore at 35. I mean, that's a hell of a haul. I think like with the roster also, it's tough to add that many rookies with all the young guys on the roster. So that might be another factor in their thinking. If they're ideally for them, maybe they're not thinking trade down. Maybe they just want to hit that solid double that could be a triple with chubb but it's just it's it's a really interesting conversation to have and i don't think uh i don't think i've seen it discussed with the type of nuance that we've discussed it so
0: (laughs) yeah well it's tough to do on twitter that's for sure um yeah to me to me i look at all this stuff and i just think i go back to that word that you used earlier and to sort of put a bow on this whole thing they've got a ton of flexibility they can they can sit and take five really good players without doing anything or they can move around probably with general ease and target guys that they specifically desire. And frankly, I think either plan has merit um, just so long as what you're doing at the end of it is picking good players. So we shall hope for that. As Um, long as you hit
1: on the quarterback.
0: (laughs) I think it does come down to that. Let's be real about it. I mean, I've already threatened to give up my fanhood on the basis of that decision. So, you know, I, I look at that, and I just think, you, you do something like take Josh Allen in that position, and you're proving that you are, it, Let's let's just cut through all the bullshit on this. None of this is personal with regard to Josh Allen. I have, he seems like a perfectly nice guy, seems like a kid who's going to work hard at it. I wish him well, and I will root for him in the league. But if your choice is to draft him at number one over some of these other guys— there is no way around the following conclusion to me. That's just shit process. And you've decided the deal. you've decided that you have the magic elixir and you can spot something special that nobody else can. And you're so good at this that you're going to pull the diamond out of the rough who has never, and I stress the word, never put together a productive, meaningful season as a quarterback at any fucking level. That's why it's not going to happen, folks. It's going to be Sam Darnold, Darnold at one. And Sam Darnold, for the record, was 20 and four as a starting quarterback. He was 20 and four for a program that, and a bunch of those wins came in that 2016 season that he did not start as the starter. You, I know a lot of people are excited about other guys. Baker Mayfield earned it and all that. Sam Darnold did not come in to be the starting quarterback. He took over a job from the guy that was the number one quarterback recruit in the entire country. Sam Darnold was not supposed to be here. He earned that shit. So, we, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting on the... I, I'm not here to talk anybody into Sam Darnold because, look, eventually he'll either talk you into it himself or he'll fail. But if what you're looking at is... You know, a quarterback that you think has enormous questions. I just got to ask you: How did he walk in and take that job? How did he walk into a team that was zero and three and take him to a Rose Bowl and win it? One and two. One and two. My bad. They lost two of the first three. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They got killed against Alabama. It was like got 60 absolutely
0: points. slaughtered by Alabama, and yeah, with with Max Brown at quarterback. If I'm remembering correctly, yep. that's correct. And, yeah. Yep. And and so. I, I look at what Sam Darnold did and I think, I'm not sure we're giving enough credit to what an impact he had on that team. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and so look, I come back to it. And, and like you said, you better hit on the quarterback to me. I understand where Darnold is the chalk pick.
1: I could 500 probably, days now, almost Yeah, almost 500 days. It's the Rose bowl. I mean, that's, that's a long ass time. Yeah. Like they penciled him in.
0: Yeah. You know? So I, I think all the other stuff is going to sort of fall by the wayside if that pick works. Um, but going back to it, yeah, to me, you got to get the quarterback pick right because if you take the wrong guy for the wrong reasons, and there are no right reasons to take Josh Allen, number one. So hitting the quarterback, it's, it's the same thing to me as the argument that, oh, you don't get any credit for taking Miles Garrett. Uh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You get a lot of credit for it because if the alternative is to have taken Mitch Trubisky, well, forgive me so far for thinking that Miles Garrett was the right pick. And so I I just look at it like every pick should be taken on its merit. Does it make your – and you don't know this stuff really in depth for a couple of years, but does it make your team better? And (laughs) more critically in our friendly Cleveland Browns discussion – will Jimmy Haslam sit on his hands long enough for any of this to matter? <laughs> but we'll jump off that bridge further down the line because it's uh, that's a long conversation that requires a great deal of discussion, but yeah. let's, uh, let's wrap it up. We've got the draft coming in two days. We will try and do some reaction content over the next few days as this stuff happens. But any last sort of thoughts, things you got to get off your chest, things you want to see happen, you have the floor.
1: I just want to expound on the Allen thing a little more. I mean, my thing with him, like in so many drafts, I think it would have been more reasonable. It's, it's never like, that's never going to be like the chalk number one pick. That's never going to be the popular number one pick, but for that to even be discussed and for people to jump on that bandwagon, like in this draft, like this, this was the quarterback draft that people hyped up and people didn't even see Mayfield coming. Like I think Mayfield can be a solid starter in the NFL. Now I don't, I wouldn't necessarily consider him at number one with the other guys in the class, but that's, that speaks to the strength of the class. That's because I view Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, and, and even Lamar Jackson. I just view them that highly that those three guys, I think they're all, Number one worthy type talents, in, in my opinion. I mean, hell, Mike Vick went number one in a draft. So you can't tell me that Lamar Jackson, who's a much more advanced passer, can't go number one in a draft. Um, but but that's really and my
0: we made the case that you and I didn't. But that's what Matt Wallman made that case. And I think he made it effectively. Right. And I agree with you. Like it would excite the hell out of me if Dorsey did something unexpected and orthodox, unorthodox by taking Lamar Jackson. It would disappoint yeah. me and, and give me great pause about the future of the organization if he were to take Josh Allen because right. one guy has shown me he can play, whether he's perfect or not. The other guy has shown me not only is he imperfect, but he can't really play.
1: Yeah, it's, if you take Josh Allen, it's it's just banking on so many things, and it's just such poor process. And it's like not going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah, of course. Of course. But the fact that it was even discussed, the fact that people there's been a lot of Browns fans that have jumped on that bandwagon. It's just I mean,
0: well, what you're th- describing I don't, I don't, is a problem of, I believe,
1: I think it's people being contrarians.
0: I don't. I think it's people being easily swayed by media when the, when they and this is all very understandable. So this is not criticism. It's just the way the world works. Most people like to have opinions on things, even when they don't know what they're talking about. And most people didn't sit and watch Josh Allen cut-ups on YouTube, much less all 22 tape, much less comparing it against Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen and Josh Allen or uh, Sam Darnold and Lamar Jackson, much less within context, much less charting it, much less reading all the stuff, you know, much less getting to meet the kids, all that stuff. Nobody knows anything, and so we're easily swayed by the big voice of Tony Grossi or the big voice of Mary Kay Cabot as authority authority limited as both of those voices ought to be. We're swayed by Mel Kiper. We're swayed by Peter King. All people who do their jobs with, I'm sure, most of them I actually think do their jobs fine. We'll leave Tony out of this. Um, (laughs) But I – I think that's really what it is. What we've got is a problem of I want to have an opinion. Here is somebody most of the world agrees is credible who has an opinion. And therefore I shall say what they told me to say. I think there's a lot of that. I don't think most people you, you can easily talk yourself into Josh Allen if you don't really worry about whether Josh Allen can play (laughs) like, and that, and I basically think that's how it goes down. And I think that's, it's a microcosm of not just sort of football analysis, it's a microcosm of the way we talk about our countries, the way we talk about the world. And that is a topic, my friend, for an entirely different podcast and certainly at worst, a different episode. Um, But beyond Alan, what else you got before we run this thing out?
1: Yeah. The, the other thing is I just, I like the idea of um, this, this quarterback room with, with Sam Darnold in it. I just, I like the idea of him watching Tyrod Taylor play, watching him with his conservative style. I know I touched on that a little bit earlier, but I think also just having Drew Stanton in there, who's he's been around the NFL for a long time. And he's also really close with, with the Palmers and Carson, Carson Palmer, obviously they played together in Arizona and now Jordan has known Sam for a long time. He's trained him. Uh, There's just a lot of connections there. Um, Ken Zampizzi, the the uh, quarterback coach, he coached both guys in Cincinnati. Hugh Jackson traded all that shit for Carson Palmer in Oakland. I mean, there's so many connections here. Um, and, and even Sam Darnold even followed Drew Stanton on Instagram last week. So the signs have kind of been there, but I'm just really... I like the way the Browns front office has put this together. It's not a situation where you've got Cody Kessler and Kevin Hogan and and Deshaun Kaiser and Brock Osweiler. And you're just kind of praying that Cody Kessler showed the same thing he did last year. (laughs) And and you have no veteran presence. And then, and then the coach throws Kaiser out there because of the preseason and a couple long throws or whatever, like, like this isn't that, I mean, this is definitely much better process. And, and I think that, that is what got sashi brown fired it's it's not just passing on watson at once it's the quarterback room last year i well, mean you know that I, is you know i agree with that 100 yeah it's a major problem I And mean, you i and i learned learned from it as well i mean that's the whole thing with this is i mean you have to have veterans in these quarterback rooms if you're gonna have a young quarterback you just have to and the browns are gonna have two of them which i think is i think that's freaking awesome. That. The Darnold, I mean, he's 20 years old. He's going to come in the league. He's going to learn from two vets that have been around. They both have winning records in the league too, which I couldn't believe It Drew Stan, he's <laughs> won more games than he's lost. But I mean, he gets to come in and Jordan Palmer even said at one point that, uh, Zampezi taught him more about football than any other coach he's ever had. So that, I mean, he seems to be a teacher. I mean, who, who knows how long this coaching staff is there. That's, that's the thing. We'll, we'll see how they do this year, but I'm just – I'm excited about the quarterback room with a young guy that seems really, really hungry. Seems like a guy that grinds. Like Ryan said, he's he's worked his ass off. I couldn't believe – I, I want to throw this in here too. Just, I know I'll wrap it up in a minute, but I couldn't believe this on the Move the Six podcast. They won two games the year that he broke his foot that program's really good they won two games he so he started the first two games of the season they, they won one game yeah he broke his foot in the third game of the season they never scored more than 17 points the rest of the season yeah, they and were, they lost the rest of their games i looked it up they were two oh. and eight that year yeah it was i thought it was, i thought it was two and eight after that but you're right they were oh and eight once he went down yeah because they played 10 games in yeah. a high school season and then the next year, he was a starter finally for a full season because as a sophomore, he was a wide receiver and linebacker. So his senior year, he starts and they go 12-2. and two, So that's a playoff season. And ever since then, the program's been strong. But I just couldn't believe that when I heard that. I mean,
0: people well, talk about wins, high school guys. They're talking
1: about winners, you know, like winner. And Dorsey said that people are like, oh, Josh Allen's won this compared to the old Wyoming guy or whatever. Like, I mean... You can say what you want about quarterback wins, and yes, any good quarterback should win a lot of games. But that's pretty crazy <laughs> for the guy to go down this team to win only two games. I, I just that really stood out to me, and also not to mention like what we said with USC's program. I mean, USC is a stories program, but they haven't been what they've been with him. We they, already, they we already did the Arnold. episode that was the case
0: for Sam Darnold, and they're going oh, to know. take him. <laughs> it's all good. You're right. It's all You're good. Right. He's going to be a Cleveland Brown in two days, and you
1: will be excited about it. I'm excited, but I just wanted good. to throw those. Those weren't things that were on the podcast, so I yeah. just wanted to throw those out there. I know I tweeted it earlier, but that stuff just really stood out to me. I mean, that's, that's he, a crazy impact on winning. That's, he's, that's, he's a
0: compelling dude. He's a compelling dude, and it sounds like he is going to be our compelling dude in the very near future, so we will review that in short order, when it happens. Um, Assuming, of course, that that is in fact how it happens, because if it does not, there is at least partially a chance that this is the final episode of the Brownstone podcast forever and ever and ever. Amen. Uh, I assure you,
1: however, that if I am forced... Wait, what is this? Is this 19 years since the last number one overall quarterback in Cleveland? 19 now? Yeah. 19 years, right? Yeah. With all the times they've been at the top, you would think it would be... More than that, but they've waited till twenty two, over and over and over. Eh they haven't had one <laughs> all the time. Anyway, yeah.
0: that's all that's all old crap that I can't deal with anymore. All those picks that don't matter. Ah, someday soon, hopefully, these picks will matter. Eh? We can always cross our fingers, bite into our milk bones, and bark loudly. My friend, we will chat on the other side of this monstrosity. I pray for your well-being and mine. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, I say, go Browns. Go Browns.